Welcome to Folico Live. It is Wednesday, July 20th. Actually, confession, we're pre-recording today just because we've got some things we got to take care of. But we've got some exciting uh, content for you today. As we've been promising, we're going to take a look at ARC and innovation today. So we're going to spend a few minutes right up front. Spoiler alert, we found some interesting things in ARC, but we're going to shelve those for more of a mid to long term view and take another look. However, Tyler, while we were doing this research, found some pretty interesting plays that you can be looking at this and next week. So stay tuned. We're going to go deep into that. And once again, I want to remind you who and what we are. I am a data scientist. Tyler is a former hedge fund PM, now the head of research at Cinerai. And what we do is we take the bleeding edge AI algorithms. We read all the news articles around the world using AI, and we use that to form a consensus view on where certain tickers, certain sectors, and the market overall are going over time. So thank you for joining us. Let's get right into it. So first, ARC. Innovation itself has powered uh, most of the gains on the stock market over the past 10 years. So we're talking innovation from companies like NVIDIA, Fang, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. I can't believe I just rattled that off without, you know, even pausing. That's, that's both sad and good. Um, but a lot of this stock price appreciation has come from a fundamental realization of three core technologies. And I want to, this is important for the investing thesis of why ARC has been powerful, but why ARC needs to do some readjustment in order to make sure it stays powerful into the future and powerful, notwithstanding this half a year chunk. Um, Kathy Wood is, is, you know, really struggled in the first half of the year. We'll see what happens and how they can adjust going forward. Now, those three core technologies that we were talking about that power this forward, networking, storage, and compute. You'll notice these are the three legs of cloud computing and why cloud computing has been so powerful for Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud Platform. If you doubt the power of these three core technologies, take, for example, Amazon. Now, Amazon is one of the most popular, powerful stock names of the past decade, right? So I'm going to share my screen and show you just, you know, a quick review of Amazon stock price since 2001. Uh, 2001, 73 cents per share. At its peak, it went up to a dollar or 174 dollars. Uh, so what is that? Um, two and a, so 250 times. Something like that. Yeah. 250x appreciation in the course of 20 years. You, if you had put in a hundred thousand dollars, you'd be 25 million dollars richer. Is that right? Yeah, or you would have sold half halfway up. Yeah, is really is really what would happen. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> but what I want to say is, what's what is it that's powering Amazon's incredible growth during that period? Right, it doesn't really go anywhere until about 2010, and then it just absolutely skyrockets. Well, let's take a look at how Amazon makes their money. This is the fiscal year Q4 ending 2021. Revenue 60% was domestic retail. 27% was international retail, 13% AWS, that cloud component that we were talking about, right? So most of the revenue Amazon's making is retail. Most of the profit Amazon is making, not most, almost all of it is coming from cloud, AWS. In fact, that has been the profit center that has powered most of their retail growth. And we see Microsoft making a complete pivot over to cloud technology, Google investing heavily in it. Clearly, this is something that powers it, but it's not just those cloud companies. Netflix is what Netflix is because of networking, 
Basically, they figured out how to pipe entertainment straight to your living room, right? That's the big innovation of Netflix. Social media. Basically, social media found out how to do databasing well. That's all social media is. They figured out how for how you can store your information on their servers and how you can retrieve it very quickly and how you can display that out to everyone else and microblog about the Coke that you bought at the 7-Eleven nearby, right? A little bit of AI mixed in to optimize how we interact with each other, but at its core, it's storage and compute. All these tech companies that you see in the holdings of ARC, every single one of these is powered by those three core technologies, except maybe Tesla, which is really about batteries uh, and, and the components from there, right? So my point being, those three technologies have powered a lot of growth. What's next? Because right now they've been able to reinvent work. We can all work remotely, right? And communicate remotely. They've been able to reinvent how we spend our time through cell phones and through entertainment at home. They've been able to reinvent how we interact with each other through social media. All these things are fantastic. That innovation pipeline, if you went back to 2014, 15, 16, you'd be looking at an, an incredible innovation pipeline. Something like, oh, we're going to reshape work, self-driving cars, crypto revolution, NFTs. Um, and a lot of it has borne fruit. Self-driving cars, not so much. What's next? Look at the big promises and the checks being uh, written by these companies today, right? The big growth. Zoom communications. It's the number one holding an arc. Let's go into Folico and take a look at Zoom. Not much great growth to speak of coming forward. Let's go into the health factors for Zoom. The competition is doing well. Okay. Uh, I, I like what's happening here where the competition bumped up while earnings power was stagnant and then it uh, helped to appreciate both. And so we're looking at maybe some potential short-term strength for Zoom. But Zoom was able to reinvent the way that we do work. I, you know, during COVID, you were able to do Zoom calls instead of having those in-person meetings, cutting down on transportation time, cutting down on stress, cutting down on pollutants and everything like that. Awesome. What's next? See, one of the reasons why Zoom is winning right now is contrary to popular opinion, they've actually been able to keep a lot of their business clients that they added during COVID. So that revenue that they were able to bring in, turns out it's a little bit more sticky than people may have at first assumed. Bully for them. That's great. I don't see the continued growth pipeline on that that's going to justify, let's see, what is their current P.E. ratio? Price to earnings ratio, 23.6. Tell me how 23.6 is justified off keeping some B2B clients. That's the kind of valuation that's justified on reinventing a sector or a segment or some aspect of our lives. That innovation is not really still there for um, for these Internet tech companies. Where is it? So what is going to fuel us for the next 10 years? Well, the deeper we've looked into this, the more we've realized that the true pipeline of innovation that we're seeing, there are a few areas in tech, quantum, AI, the Internet of Things never really materialized much of anything. I, I think IoT is is set to have some really good impacts for our lives. That's That'll be solid, especially as it integrates with the metaverse. The metaverse is still going to be 5, 10 years away before it radically transforms our life. Now, I have a Quest 2 headset. I think it's awesome, right? Go meta. I, I love the metaverse, but the concept I don't think is ready to deliver economic transformation for at least half to a full decade. However, what is primed and ready to change the way we look at and operate um, in, in this economy is biotech. Look at the way mRNA was able to come in and rapidly transform our healthcare. And I think the pipeline of um, therapeutics coming out of this re recent biotech wave 
is going to be incredibly powerful. That's going to transform a lot of aspects of our lives, especially as baby boomers are heading into full retirement. Health problems are going to start compounding for that group. In China, I think um, uh, an incredible amount of their population is aging, uh, turning over 60, and they're going to be innovating huge into this space to help alleviate the symptoms and onset of age-related diseases. So all of this is very exciting and coming together to say that as a long-term prospectus or thesis for investment, we hold high faith in biotech. That's going to be one of the things that powers our views going forward. ARC has some really strong uh, holdings in biotech, but not to the level that we'd like to see. I think it's still stuck in the age of the internet tech business charging forward. Now, all this to say, that's our view on ARC, but we went through and we did a deep dive. Okay, is now the a market bottom? Is now the time to get back in? Is it time to jump in the pool? Tyler, what do you think on the answer? I mean, not really, and that's that's kind of the problem, is we spent a good bit of time looking for some directionality in, in ARC. Um, it's going to be important going forward. Um, if ARC can't stabilize, I'm not really sure what that means for the rest of risk. Um, so it's a very important indicator of, of forward market strength, I think. I don't think the market bottoms wholesale without ARC. Um, so given that, you know, we're really indifferent and that's the problem. So long story short, you know, stay tuned. We're not really, uh, you know, interested in, in making a call. Like, like we've said, there's lots of reasons to trade lots of different names, but you, you know, you need, you need really great reasons to enter, right? Like, um, I don't think just, uh, we might be bottoming here. Let's just kind of throw a couple of these names on is, is really a, a prudent thing to do given. So here's, here's Roku, which is a large holding and, and given our, our views. Um, just, just really indifferent. And that's, that is almost by itself. Uh, interesting enough for us to come talk to you about because we're generally not indifferent. Um, if you go back through the, the life of, of this show and uh, my time at, at Cinerai, uh, indifferent is, is something we try to avoid. Um, it's bullish, bearish, why? Um, to quote a, a mentor of mine. Um, so despite our wanting to really make a call here, I guess what's notable is we really don't feel comfortable doing doing anything either way. Um, we come to this, uh, we come and look at ARC specifically through the lens of, in 2000, there were a whole bunch of stocks that were, were high flyers that, that crashed and never saw highs again. Um, the ones that did survive, for example, like an Intel, was a $72 stock in 2002, and it took maybe 19 years to get back to, to, you know, even that level. Um, so that's something that we're definitely not, uh, you know, we're not excited to start adding, um, those, those names given that kind of, of general malaise in, in what we're seeing in, in her portfolio. We don't need to, you don't need to, there's time. And, and that's one of the things. So we, we've talked about this in biotech and I think this is, a, this is an important 
uh, aspect of it. When it comes to biotech, if you wait for FDA approval, you're already too late. You're not going to see the upside from that, right, on, on those stock trades. If you wait until a, a technology starts coming out and it's maturing a little bit, you're still going to see those upsides. I mean, Amazon, the stock went from 4 to 20, and you might have thought you missed the move. No, because it went up from 20 to thousands before it split. Uh, and now hundreds, right? You've got time to jump in and catch that momentum, uh, which is why we think catching that biotech as the momentum is going is is an important thing. But that's neither here nor there. In other words, what we're saying, we're punting. We're punting on ARC. Wait a couple months. It's not there yet. Uh, there may be a pop. And and maybe those internet uh, comms companies, as they consolidate, as they form a, a, a next wave of innovation, maybe that will be exciting. We'll keep monitoring. But Tyler, what is exciting to consider today? Yeah, so uh, you know, just just to kind of close the loop, there are some names in in the general innovative, you know, old growth sector um, that potentially still offer some value, but you don't have to rush. Some of these could take quite some time to get back to highs. A couple like the Amazons in the pile will will lead the next move higher. But generally speaking, you get paid to wait. It, it, uh, you know, in most cases, unfortunately, recent memory has has ruined any sort of patience whereby uh, the bear market of of COVID of 2020 and then 2018, we really got the the move behind us pretty quickly. So we've seen snaps back to highs. Uh, I would say faster than than we would uh, expect historically. That's that's what I will say. Um, and I promised you guys that I would stop with these bearish sector forecasts. Well, I lied. Well, we'll we'll do it as soon as the sectors stop being bearish. <laughs> well, yes, that 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 too. But let's check this out. So consumer cyclicals, and I think it's interesting that we get. Because our data, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you, Travis, do you think our data uh, is indicative of a recession? Are our, our price forecasts and our earnings forecasts, are those something you would expect in a, in a, in a growing economy or a shrinking economy? Um, these, I, I think we're quite consistent with a shrinking economy. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, generally the data, if you don't think that this is re- recessionary, you've got another thing coming. Um, our, look, back in 2021 and 2020, when we first started making these models, we wondered if they were broken because everything was green. You know, just just a heads up, just to, everyone that's been tuning in with us has seen a lot of red on the screen. This was not the case a year ago. This was very, very different reality. And really, it was about what train is going to get you the fastest ticket, right? That That's really, if you were betting on the fastest horse, now you've got to be worried about even the directionality of, of what you're going with. So, yeah, recessionary. And and that's that's one of our biggest inhibitors in making a intermediate bottom call is we think things are getting worse, not better. Um Policy is getting less accommodative, not more accommodative. Um, the ECB is going to hike rates on Thursday. The Fed's going to, you know, jam another 75 basis points down our throat soon. Um, into, into a contraction, into an economic contraction that has at least thus far sticky, persistent, annoying inflation. So that's not 
that's why, you know, at our, at our core principles, we can't get out in front of you and say time to buy. Um, especially given, look at these three month downside forecasts. Granted, you know, this is the first time that we've seen there are some candidates for some small strength in the next week or two. So I would interpret that as, as short on green. Um, that's, that's how I prefer to, to look at those. Um, because look at the downsides you're playing for. I mean, you know, Foot Locker, uh, there's a couple names that I, I almost dare not speak on here, AMC. Um, Gap has some issues. Gap, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as we discussed the autos, we don't think those are going to do very well. So all of this is, is pretty indicative for us. For recessionary conditions, and it kind of matches um, our our initial Fang analysis, which said September October. Our hope is this is the last batch of uniformly bearish. That is that is basically what I'm looking for. It's a start that some of the arc names have started to price some sideways instead of some straight down. I think that's uh, watching for the turn. Is, is just as important as the outright price forecast. Um, an example of this is, you know, ABBV, which has started to sell off as we've started to see it move from a, a bearish, or excuse me, a bullish structure to a bearish structure. Um, so these are not names we're necessarily going to want to take action right now today, especially given there is, uh, you know, some forecasts in some of these, uh, names for a little strength. So in terms of trying to time it, you can use a little further green to enter a red position, uh, you know, to enter a bearish position. Um, especially on names like, for example, Under Armour, right? I, I guess if I had to, had to tap two names on the shoulder here, I'd be looking at you Under Armour and I'd be looking at you Pearson, which I believe is a textbook company. And if that's the case, double short it. Um, <laughs> So I, I, these, these both in terms of, of the technical location are, you know, ready to go in terms of, in terms of these, these forecasts and the amount down that, that we're playing for, you know, uh, is not priced. Um, that is a large move after a large move. So, you know, three month Under Armour puts, three month Pearson puts, if you want to just try to short that thing into the ground, um, those will definitely be something I, I look at closer to the end of the month. Um, but this is, this is not good news. This is, these are, uh, lesser retail brands. These are car brands. Um, AMC. Yikes. I don't really want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with the apes. Um, but News Corp, War, another one, Warner Brothers. That's, that's that's down 52% in the last six months, and we we're looking for another 31% down. Macy's we're looking for that thing to be put out of its misery. Same thing with Nordstrom's. Um, that that doesn't look like I'd be forecasting bullish GDP anytime soon. That's 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 for sure. Um, especially, you know, how are, how are these names going to keep up with inflation? I think if we have continued nasty inflation 
these forecasts, no problem to, to be realized. But that is kind of the bet for further downside is inflation remains sticky and the Fed just, you know, hikes us into oblivion is the fastest way to, to see kind of our, our, our target, our intermediate term target, according to this data is something like 3000 in the S&P. So, you know, it's never going to be a complete apocalyptic downside kind of forecast. At least that's, that's not really what we're, we're seeing in, in some of the, the market wise, wide health factors, but it just still more down. Um, and especially, you know, there, there are, there are plenty of names to choose from in here. I, I mentioned Under Armour. I'll stick with that one because that's been a stock to watch for July. Um, you know, there's, there's problems on the micro level there. And, and if, if the fully contained comes to bear, there's huge problems on the, on the macro level as well. So one thing I want to point out, and we are going to end up back on the screen that you have there, Tyler. So we have in Folico uh, the ability to look at these metrics for from an all-up market perspective. And I want to point out here that our earnings power uh, projections for these companies were actually doing fairly well, trending into the positive <coughs> late February. And early on, before earnings really started crashing and starting to come down, that earnings power started coming down with it. But I want to show you something that happened beforehand. <clears throat> what we have here in the purple line is the management score all up for the market. That management score dipped down before the earnings power score did uh, went down at all. And what you saw there was this tension happening on the leadership of companies that started to realize something was wrong. Generally, the leadership of these companies knew something was up and they started making cuts. They started making shifts. They started making unpopular decisions as you have to do, as you have to batten the hatches and prep your company for what's about to come. Then that management really starts leveling off, even though earnings are catching up on the downside. And that shows me that no one's blaming management for what's happening right now. Now, remember, that management signifies the relationship of employers with their company and employers with their employees, right? The employees stopped blaming management at that point, which to me, in the past, we saw this happen uh, a couple times um, with, with our data in the past. Sometimes when you see that effect happening of earnings coming down and but be chasing management until they finally meet up, that's when you start seeing a little bit more of an unemployment rate catching up. That's where people realize that earnings aren't going to be able to sustain it and management isn't being blamed for the cuts that they need to make psychologically. So I see this effect even more pronounced in the consumer uh, cyclical. So if we go back to that screen that you had, Tyler, on the consumer cyclical, you can see this effect being even more pronounced. So I'm going to come out and eliminate everything but management and earnings power. And look, that's even further. It's, it's exceeded earnings power on the downside, which means that that consumer cyclical, as the performance degrades, we're going to start seeing some, um, some, well, it's been too hot of a labor market. We're going to start seeing probably some relaxation in that area, or at least that's what we've seen in times past whenever this effect has happened. Now, Folico is available to the public. You're going to be able to get a lot of this analysis. Do your own deep dives. What we're saying, what we're highlighting is a sector here. You can see there's a lot of different interesting plays to be had here. Within this one sector, you have some Chinese plays. You've got some uh, South American plays. You've got GameStop. You can go more with a telecom bent with Comcast. 
make your own decisions, go and see how deep you can go. If I wanted to come in and do that Comcast recall last week, we were given some a good shout out to the telecom sector. So why is Comcast having some issues? Come in and find out. Uh, because once you start doing that deep dive and understanding what's happening on this individual ticker basis, that's where the magic's really going to start happening. So I think that gives us some good fuel uh, to power things forward. Tyler, thoughts for consumer uh, cyclical and, and how people are going to be able to time this the right way? So two things. I just realized that I, I, I double-crossed everyone and, and introduced a, a concept and then ran away on, on my why. So I just said, Folico doesn't see any crash risk, and then I ran away. That was not right for me. So this is what I'm talking about. We're looking at, this is just all up for our coverage list systemic. So you see how, you know, in the, this to me, when it's rolling over and, and the rate of change is down, that tells me window open for volatility. It's, it's one indicator that, that suggests not just downside, but, you know, some accelerated downside or some accelerated volatility. We've largely relieved that. So it's still negative, which is not good. But to me, I look at, you know, in free fall as window open and then recover window closed. So that's, that's how I think about that. That was not fair of me uh, to to discuss it and then not explain why that 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 is that is my rationale for for you know, how I think there. That. Just hover over mid March and, and show the number for what it was that that dip right right of the valley minus point six three. I want to highlight it, the only time it's ever been that negative was March twenty twenty, right with the stock market almost crash. Uh, going into COVID, that systemic level of that low—that's a—that's a big deal. Um, and remember, because this is for our whole coverage list, usually the numbers that you see on this page are hard to move that much. But when you see something at minus 0.6, that's a that's a screaming signal that you've got to pay attention to. Uh, now that number healing a little bit again—are we giving hope at all for a future market bottoming and then recovery? I mean, at some point, yeah, we want to see that recover a, a bit more than that, though. Um, that just tells me the window for anything really funky is kind of kind of closed, but that doesn't mean, you know, kind of funky can't be in the offer. Um, in terms of, you had asked about timing the entry into, into consumer cyclicals here. Um, this is a longer-term view, and we do have some uh, bullish forecasts for the 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 very near term. So this is a put, throw these names on the short watch list and add shorts into strength kind of thing is, is how I'm thinking about it. Um, you don't need to do anything now. I like do now is if I looked through every name on our coverage list and it was all bearish, all immediately, all do it now. But we kind of have what we call the Christmas tree, which reduces conviction in my opinion. Um, so you still do focus on Under Armour no matter what, for example, which has the most bearish forecast and the nicest slope, but you kind of use the rest of, of the sector as the trigger, if that makes sense, because the, the, the easiest part of the trade is when the sector is moving wholesale and there's not too much dispersion. So we would like to see everything moving lower and then our name moving lowest is, is how I think about it, if that makes sense. 
Sounds good. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. This has been Fullico pre-recorded live. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with you again tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. to give you more stock picks to power your portfolio. Thanks.